In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Sorry, I had a moment of terror that my microphone wasn't on. <laughs> In January, when our pilgrims went to the Holy Land, they ventured one day from Nazareth up to the Golan Heights, up to the ancient city of Banias, the Roman city of Caesarea Philippi. In the ancient world, this city came as close as people had to taking time to relax in a resort town, a sort of spa town, as it were, because Caesarea Philippi is at the source of the Jordan River. There's springs of water there. It's a site that was considered sacred, not really by Jews, but by hundreds of other local religions in the region. So people of many different faiths, of many different backgrounds, traveled to this spa town to find mental, spiritual, and physical refreshment and renewal. Maybe this is why Jesus and his disciples stop here on their way back from, from traveling in the north, back from Tyre and Sidon. They've been traveling for a while, and obviously they needed to stop and rest. So why not here? It's an odd choice because a group of Galileans who were faithful to their religion would have brushed up against people, food, animals, and other things that they would have deemed unclean. It would have been a place that the religious elite probably would have avoided altogether. Who knows why Jesus stopped here? But maybe it was his only place to rest away from the religious authorities and their spies. So if that's true, it was play a place that was set apart from scrutiny, maybe that's why Jesus begins his conversation asking about the Son of Man. And after all this speculation that takes place, Jesus asks a more profound question, who do you say that I am? And Peter replies, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God to which Jesus answers him in the affirmative and promises to give Peter and the others the keys to the kingdom of heaven. My question is, what really prompted Peter to exclaim that Jesus was the Messiah? To respond so quickly with such joy and enthusiasm in the ancient world, people in all sorts of communities who were continuously seeking liberation from the Roman Empire claimed, people claimed all the time that they were the Messiah. In fact, claims for Messiahs were happening so often, many people got desensitized to the notion. Everyone wanted a Messiah, yet no one claiming to be the Messiah was really the Messiah. Truth is today, we have Messiahs popping up all the time as well. People are in search for a Messiah. 
Someone who can make them wiser, smarter, someone who can give them a leg up in the world, someone who can make them stand more proudly, more boldly, someone who can take away their fears and make them their best selves ever, this kind of Messiah. And we look all over for these kinds of messiahs. We look in advertisements, in social media. We see them on TV, in books, all kinds of places. We look for a messiah all the time. Something in us is always striving for something just a little bit more excellent, putting us in a nicer realm, something that offers us comfort and grace and maybe a little bit of style, too. But we know that wherever we go, when we go on these types of searches, wherever we go for that kind of Messiah, one who makes us smarter and kinder and better looking and more important than the rest of everyone else, when we go on that kind of search for a Messiah, we find ourselves meeting people who think a little bit too highly about themselves. We encounter people who claim that they can solve all the problems of the world. Sometimes these people are actors, celebrities. Other times, they're politicians. Still other times, they're pastors or other religious leaders. And every time we go down any of these roads to find a Messiah who will make us smarter, bolder, wiser, and a little bit more likable, we get discouraged, disappointed. We might even get mad at ourselves because we wasted time and energy and money on empty promises that led us nowhere at all. Instead of looking all over for messiahs that don't exist, why not look for Jesus? Jesus is a contrast to this. Just as Peter exclaimed, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, we hear this tone of excitement in his voice as he realizes this. He realizes that this teacher, this person who called him to follow him, this one who claims to be the good shepherd, who feeds the hungry and heals the sick and who talks incessantly about the kingdom of heaven, so much so that nobody really understands him. This guy who, who loves everyone, who never condemns anyone, who talks to strangers and people that aren't part of his own religion, this man who befriends men and women alike, who tells stories about slaves and masters and invites his audience to see that there is absolutely no difference between slave or free person or woman or man, that we are all part of one big human family. This guy who invites every person he meets into living the fullest human experience possible. This guy, Jesus, is the Messiah. And because of that exclamation on that mountaintop at Caesarea Philippi by Peter, we are gathered here on this very day. From the beginning of his ministry, Jesus points us in the direction of how to live the best life we can. 
He encourages us to keep striving for goodness, to keep advocating for those who are on the margins, for us to turn, to reorient, to to turn our hearts, to realign them in such a way that we cannot but help see the work that God is doing among us right here and right now. It's a call that Jesus has for us to reorient everything, our bodies, our minds, our spirits, into into a life of gratitude, a life where we see, we see God as the provider of all things, and where God transforms us, changes us into people who think about the things that matter most in the world. I want to say that again. It's a call that Jesus has for us to reorient everything, our bodies, our minds, and our souls, into a life of gratitude, a life where we see God as the provider of all things and where God transforms us, changes us, into people who think about the things that matter most in the world. People who develop an an unbounded sense of of love for everyone, and people who give themselves back to God and back into the world as Jesus' heart and Jesus' hands, hands of love for absolutely everyone. This is the Messiah that Peter sees. This is the Messiah that we are looking for each and every day of our lives, whether we realize it or not. We're not really in search for all of these other false messiahs. We're really looking for Jesus. This is the person whom we want to place all of our hope and all of our trust in his grace and love. We want to do this so badly. And we do this when we say words to this effect every time we reclaim our baptismal vows. And we affirm this in our participation when we receive communion at the Eucharist every Sunday, and we demonstrate this to the world. We show this out to the world every time we take on ministries that Jesus does. Praying, healing, feeding, restoring, renewing, forgiving, setting people free every time we do these things. And when we do them, we become disciples who reveal the truth of the Messiah, the Son of the living God. We reveal Jesus to others. I want to invite you to reflect on the reading this week. I want to invite you to take a copy. That copy from your service bulletin has the whole reading printed out. Take that copy of the bulletin home with you. It's one of the most important passages that we hear every year. And it's something that we actually hear more than once a year. Usually we hear it at least twice. Because it's that important for us to find our mental, spiritual, and physical refreshment and renewal in Jesus. It's that important for us to find our spiritual and physical refreshment. First, take the bulletin home. And read this reading every day and ask yourself the question that Jesus is asking his disciples. Who do you say that I am? 
Somebody who wrote the gospel wrote that down because it's meant for us as well. Who do you say that I am? Spend time trying to answer that question. Then, then, I want you to be honest with yourself. And anytime you find something this week that claims to make you smarter and better looking and wiser and happier, anything you think that gives you a leg up upon others, ask yourself, what is the purpose of what you're looking for? Are you trying to find a substitute Messiah? Maybe, maybe not, but it's worth asking. And finally, I want to invite your prayers this week. I want you to pray for yourselves, to pray for the presence of Jesus to bless you, to equip you with everything good, to give you the zeal and that enthusiasm that Peter has in his response to Jesus, to pray to see the same kinds of wonders in Jesus that Peter could see, to pray for these reoriented hearts of loves that have turned, hearts that now love without limit, hearts of love that go out and literally change the world. If we know anything about Peter at all, is that we know that he talked too much. He opened his mouth a lot without thinking. And most of the time, he gets things wrong. But this time, he gets things right. My hope is for us to allow God to build us up in the same way in the same way that if we're ever asked directly by Jesus, who do you say that I am, we can respond with the same enthusiasm. An enthusiasm that comes from deep within, from a recognition, a response that contains a recognition that contains a joy, an enthusiasm that can only be revealed by a truly transformed human being, by a God who loves us more than we can imagine. Ask yourself that question. Jesus asked you this week, who do you say that I am? Ask yourself and reflect on this and see what God can do in your life. Instead of looking all over for messiahs that don't exist, why not look for Jesus? Jesus.